Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 310 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading John chapter 17 today, and our focus is on what did Jesus pray about? When Jesus prayed, what did he pray for? What can we learn, basically, about prayer from the way Jesus prayed? So every day, our goal is to get deep into the Word of God, reading it, thinking about it, and trying to understand it so that we can obey and follow it. I do want to welcome new listeners in Nepal, in Bangkok, Thailand, Himachal Pradesh, India, Kano, Nigeria, Groningen, Netherlands, Guatemala City, Guatemala, Quebec, Canada, Omaha, Nebraska, Memphis, Tennessee, Austin, Texas, Houston, Texas, Petersburg, Virginia, Cleveland, Ohio, San Francisco, California, Bakersfield, California, Honolulu, Hawaii, Greenwood, Mississippi, and Green Bay, Wisconsin. I'm sure that's probably Aaron Rodgers there. Hello, Aaron. Hope you feel better soon. We want to point you to our website, which is Bible2021.com. Every episode of the show has a corresponding web post, a blog post there that is basically a transcript of the show. So if you miss anything or need to look up some verses or quotes we talk about, you can find it at our website, Bible2021.com. When most people think of prayer in Jesus, they think of the Lord's Prayer. Of course, that's not wrong at all. But in John 17, we get what is the longest recorded prayer of Jesus anywhere. So we get to see and hear what Jesus prayed about and how he prayed. And what we learn here is really pretty eye-opening. Let's look at the prayer of Jesus and learn from it. And how about we kind of break from our norm and go ahead and read it first. This is John chapter 17, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. Jesus spoke these things, looked up to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you, since you gave him authority over all people so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with that glory I had with you before the world existed. I have revealed your name to the people you gave me from the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you, because I have given them the words you gave me. They have received them and have known for certain that I came from you. They have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me because they are yours. Everything I have is yours and everything you have is mine and I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them... I was protecting them by your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them is lost except the son of destruction, so that the scripture may be fulfilled. Now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy completed in them. I have given them your word. The world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I am not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. 
sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. I sanctify myself for them so that they may also be sanctified by the truth. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me, so that they may be made completely one, that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, so that they will see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the world's foundation. Righteous Father, The world has not known you, however I have known you, and they have known that you sent me. I made your name name known to them, and will continue to make it known, so that the love you have loved me with may be in them, and I may be in them. So how does Jesus start his prayer? Very simply, one word, Father, not dear God or Heavenly Father or anything more than simply saying Father. That tells us that we don't have to say dear at the beginning of our prayers, but you know what? We most certainly have the freedom to do so or to say Heavenly Father or whatever. After that initial very simple address, how does Jesus proceed? Well, interestingly, he kind of just begins to talk things through with God. He says, The hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you. So he starts off with a statement framing the reason why he's praying the hour has come, meaning that he has come to his time to die. And he states it very matter-of-factly. It almost seems devoid of emotion here, but uh, not the emotion isn't missing at all when he's praying about this same thing a little bit later on in the Garden of Gethsemane with such intense emotion that his tears were like blood dropping off his face. But here, it's simply a statement of fact. It's time for me to do what you send me to do, essentially. And then Jesus makes his first request, that he would be glorified by the Father so that he, in turn, could glorify his Father. After this, he begins to talk about his disciples and how he did what his father had wanted him to do in terms of teaching them. And he tells in the prayer his father that his disciples believed the teaching. Now, now this is interesting because, you know, God knew this information. Jesus isn't telling him like new facts or whatever. Jesus isn't filling his father in on stuff his father didn't know. Jesus is simply talking things through with his father. Now, you, we probably probably don't often think of prayer like this. We usually think of prayer as some mixture of, you know, requests and praises and thanksgivings and asking for forgiveness and that sort of thing. Of course, all that is right and proper in prayer, but we don't often think of prayer in such an almost conversational way of talking as Jesus is engaging in here. Well, beginning in verse 9, Jesus begins to request more things in prayer, but he still maintains that conversational tone. Take, for instance, verse 11, where Jesus says, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. So there, Jesus first tells his father the situation, and it kind of explains it to him, even though his father already knows, and then he asks for protection for his disciples, and then he gives a reason for that request. Now, this tells us that it is okay to view prayer as talking things through with God, and you know what? 
since Jesus is engaging in prayer in this matter, I believe it tells us that it's not merely okay to pray in this way, uh, a more conversational sort of prayer. I, I believe it's the very best and most appropriate way to pray since, you know, Jesus is doing it this way, right? Well, notice verse 17. Jesus says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Again, this is an interesting way to pray, and I suspect most of us don't regularly do it this way. Jesus asks his request, you know, sanctify them by your truth, and then follows up with a statement of truth. And you know what? We can certainly do the same thing. Asking for a request and then following up with a portion of scripture that matches up with what we are asking for. I, an example, I don't know, something like, Father, we ask you to raise up people in our church who will boldly take the good news of Jesus to our city because your son Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Please send out more workers, Father. That kind of thing is a perfectly appropriate way to pray and not the least bit pretentious or showy. And I've heard people say before that we're reminding God of what he says in his word. And I I suppose on one level, there's some truth to that. But just keep in mind, he hasn't forgotten what he said in his word. We're not telling him anything he doesn't know. And we're certainly not twisting his arm or manipulating him or bribing him with his word or backing him into a corner or anything along those lines. But when we do that, if we do it in the right heart and attitude, we're doing what Jesus did. We're having a conversation with the Father. And we get to the last part of his prayer. Jesus prays for us. And I mean, quite literally, he prays for you and me. Not by name, of course, but we see that he is praying for us specifically in verse 20 when he says, I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. You know, that's us. We believe in Jesus through the word of his disciples, through the word of God, through the Bible. And what does he pray? He prays for unity, for oneness, that we all, we Christians, we followers of Jesus, we would have the same unity and relationship with each other that Jesus has with his Father. Wow, that's a big deal. I love these words of Pastor Tim Keller that helps us understand the kind of unity that Jesus is calling us to and praying for us to have in his church. Pastor Keller says, when Jesus Christ was on earth, All of his ministry power resided in one spot in one time. And as great as that was, he was only in one place when he was on earth at a time. But we're told in Ephesians 4, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he sat down at the right hand of the Father and he gave gifts to men. That's such an important passage to understand. It tells us that when he triumphed, he turned around and gave out his own ministry abilities to us so some of us can do some of the things Jesus did and some of us can do other things. That means his ministry abilities are scattered out through his people throughout the entire world. They can penetrate every land. They can penetrate every layer of society. They can penetrate every culture and subculture. And do you see what that means? The picture is like a mosaic. Here's a beautiful mosaic of Jesus Christ. Have you ever seen one like Think of a stained glass window, for instance. Millions and millions of gorgeous little pieces of glass when fit together show us Christ, but any one of them without the others is just a very pretty little piece of glass. That's the way you and I are. Individually, we're made in the image of God, so 
We're kind of pretty, but when we're all together, we show the picture of Jesus. The Bible teaches us that together, all together, everybody pulling and doing what they can do best, what they've been gifted to, we actually can show the city Jesus Christ. Individually doing our own thing, we're only in many cases very little pieces of colored glass. Are you following? There's an amazing statement in Ephesians 2.17 where Paul says to the Ephesians, Christ came and preached peace to you and led you to himself. Now, when you think about it, says Keller, that's an amazing statement. You know where Ephesus is, don't you? It's in Turkey. What is Paul saying when he says Jesus came and preached peace to you? When did Jesus, when he was on earth, go to Ephesus? When did Jesus Christ do a preaching mission outside of Israel? He did go to a lot of places in Palestine, but... He never left that one little spot. When did he go to Ephesus? He didn't go to Ephesus. Paul must mean this. Somebody went to Ephesus. Somebody used their gifts. Somebody communicated the word of God using gifts from the Holy Spirit. And it's just as if Jesus went because Jesus Christ is now at large in the world through us. He is the light of the world shining through us. That, my friends, is a mind-blowing truth. So when Jesus calls us and prays for us to be as one, to be in unity the way he and his Father are in unity, this is a huge and massive prayer. And when we have that kind of unity with each other, we will proclaim to the world that Jesus has been sent by the Father and that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Well, let's close with our Bible memory passage for the month of November. It's John 14, verse 6, and it says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. Good day to you, friends, and Godspeed.